0: Hey everyone, this is Jack Bacall, the director and voice actor of Cameron Park.
1: And this is Issa Van Ingen, the producer and the voice of Ash
0: Moskowitz. We just wanted to take a second to say that we hope you've been enjoying Half Moon Chronicles, and to thank you so much for your continued support.
1: As with every production, we go to great lengths to make this for you free of charge. That's why we're here asking that if you really love what you've listened to today, you could help us out by supporting us on our Patreon.
0: Not only will it help us pay our talented actress and crew, but it will also give you amazing bonus content such as early access to episodes, downloadable music, full screenplays, plays, Ash Moskowitz's Monster Manual, Gray's annotated scripts, and more.
1: So please, if you are able to give back, then head on over to patreon.com slash badaddressmedia. We appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts.
0: Thank you so much for listening.
2: part about journalism. We spent all of yesterday trying to track down the only lead we really have about Captain Klein's death. Ash says she fully exhausted whatever Ryan was willing to say about it. And besides, I don't know what else she'd really be able to tell us. The only remaining lead we have to get more information about his death, about Chris's death, is Randall Fry, who owns and operates the motel on the way into town, and the last person, presumably, to see Captain Klein alive. But that's getting us nowhere. He's apparently not in town, and the motel staff, annoyingly, wouldn't tell us where he could be reached. On top of that, we tried looking into other sources, even going so far as to find his house and knock on his door but he really does seem to be on vacation. So, for the moment, we're... (sighs) We're at a temporary dead end. Until he gets back, or we find a new way to contact him, we can't follow up with him about any of the details. So, rather than just Sitting around and moping, we're going to work on a case that we've had in the backlogs for a little bit now. It's a series of deaths at the local vineyard, which, yes, by the way, Half Moon has its own vineyard. It makes a cheap specialty wine and also just sells grapes. Until we get any more information, or hopefully another lead on the Klein case, we're going to direct our attention to this. For the record, we're doing okay, all things considered. Cam's the most shaken up, but they're handling it pretty well, at least on the surface they are. They seem determined now, more than anything. I've never seen them more dedicated to this work before. Gray, on the other hand, is getting jumpier. I don't know what it is, exactly. Maybe he's just seen one too many creepy, unexplainable things. Maybe the atmosphere of this place is finally getting to him. He's always looking around nervously. I hope it's not that thing that's been following him. Ash, well, she's Ash. She's been quieter recently, but other than that, not too strange. And I'm, I'm fine. am I kidding? No, I'm not. I'm not fine. I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't even know what we're chasing at this point. I know I started this series by saying I believe in stories and that's what I wanted out of this place. And while that's still true, that's not all I want now. I don't just want a story out of Half Moon. I want answers. I want the truth. I want Chris. I want to know, what happened to my best friend? I think that's enough of this for today. Okay, we're recording. Gray, Ash, what do you have
3: for us? We've been compiling various reports of the bodies found in the
0: vineyard. Wait, seriously?
1: Yeah. We've been looking into this kind of in the background for a few weeks now.
0: So, what's the story?
3: Basically, there's this vineyard just outside of Half Moon, but still between the two rivers, called Giovanni's Vineyard. They mostly sell grapes when they're in season, but they also give tours, host weddings, and sell a really shitty cheap wine.
1: I thought it tasted alright. It's
3: still low-grade wine. It's not winning any awards or anything. I'm
2: sorry, is this story about the quality of their wine or the bodies?
3: The bodies, but the wine is still very bad.
2: It's been noted.
1: Anyway, every couple of years there's a body that gets discovered there that looks like it's been partially devoured by some sort of large animal.
0: Is this a haunting slash encounter situation or is this more like a wild animal wanders into town and eats someone? It could be both.
1: But in this case, it's probably the haunting slash encounter. Grey. Do bears or mountain
2: lions or whatever, anything big enough to kill and eat a person, live in this area?
3: Yes, there's definitely a sizable bear population in Massachusetts. They're actually growing in number and slowly moving across the state. Some estimates say that there will be black bears on the outskirts of Boston as soon as 2020.
1: Holy shit! Is that true?
3: It's a projection based on current population growth, yes.
2: Is it plausible that bears could really be responsible for the kind of carnage you're talking about? It is.
3: Bear attacks are exceedingly rare, but it's possible that they're responsible for the attacks we've seen, especially if they're starving, and looking for food.
2: Okay. Ash, what
1: are the odds that this is a supernatural being? Even higher. Bears are dangerous and whatever, but there has never been a confirmed fatal bear attack in Massachusetts. Wait, these weren't officially declared bear attacks in the reports? Nope. All the reports use language like, It appears that the victim was mauled by a bear and it is speculated that, et cetera, et cetera, but it's never been confirmed because no one's ever reported a bear in the area when any of these bodies were found.
3: So that's been leading officials to be reluctant to classify these as bear attacks, and there's no other large animal in the area that could account for these kinds of injuries they've sustained. What kinds of injuries are we looking at? It's all here in the script.
1: Yeah, we don't want to spoil anything for you. It always sounds so much cooler when you're reading the script rather than us telling you first. That's fine.
2: I'll figure it out when I read it live, then. Is there anything else?
3: There are a couple of things in there that are unverified, but that Ash said would make for a better story.
1: Unverified? What do you mean? You'll see. We found some Mrs. Beach posts from that forum that we think are related to these incidents. Oh, and we also got a statement from the staff at the Vineyard. None of them wanted to be recorded, but the owner and manager were willing to give written statements. They're short, but I think they add ambiance.
3: Atmosphere?
1: Whatever.
3: Atmosphere.
1: They just fit.
0: (laughs) Well. I'm glad you're finding this so amusing.
2: What are you talking about?
0: Yeah, we weren't
3: laughing at the victims. We were laughing at Ash.
1: Hey, it wasn't that funny.
0: That's not what I meant. Why are we even doing this episode anyway?
2: Because Ash and Gray have been working on this lead for almost two
1: weeks now. Yeah. What's the deal, Cam?
0: The deal is that we were getting so close to finding out more about Chris's death, and now we're about to go playing around in a vineyard looking into ghost bear attacks or whatever. Why did we drop the Klein case so quickly?
3: Cam, we didn't drop the Klein case. We hit a wall.
0: Gray's right. We're still working on it.
2: We just need to figure out how to get in touch with Randall Fry. I promise we didn't forget about it.
0: It sure feels like you did. Cam, where is this coming from? It's coming from the fact that it feels like I'm the only one who wants to get to the bottom of this.
2: You know that's not true.
0: (laughs) Do I? Why are we doing this story, then?
2: Because we're still investigating the strange encounters here.
0: You know, what we originally set out to do. And finding out that someone here died the same way Chris did didn't suddenly change that particular priority? It did. You
2: know it did. But we can't spend every hour of every day on that case, especially after exhausting every lead, which we have.
0: Maybe you're not trying hard enough. Excuse me? I'm not trying hard enough? I don't think Cam meant that. I said what I said.
2: Listen, Cam. I did everything I could. I even went to Fry's house to track him down. And he's just not there. There's nothing we can do until he gets back or we find a better way to get in touch with him. No one's saying shit about where he went, so we hit a wall. All we can do is keep checking out contacts
0: and wait until
2: he's back in town.
0: Okay, and in the meantime, we're just gonna keep chasing ghost stories? Yes,
2: That's exactly what we're gonna do.
0: This is such a waste of time.
2: That's what you think? You don't think that maybe investigating other leads might shed some light on the unexplained cases? You don't think that just maybe, we can uncover new leads by looking into the other, clearly supernatural occurrences here?
0: No, but I don't That's think-
2: That's how we came across the first lead! I, maybe we should- And, if these events are connected, maybe we'll find more information than we would by sitting on our thumbs, waiting for one person to return our call. We could at least
0: try to be more proactive at the motel. Have you even tried talking to the janitorial staff? They might know something the owner doesn't. You know what? Guys, maybe we should- I did, Cam. And you know what they had for me? Nothing. Just like the rest of the staff there. What about the visitor center in town? Did you have Ash talk to her contacts at the station? What are you saying? Ash, maybe you could- You think I don't know how to do my job? Well, did you? I don't even know if I should dignify that with a response. Am I supposed to take that to mean you didn't even think about it? Cam,
2: fucking of course I talked to them. When I said we hit a wall, I mean we hit a wall.
3: Cam, that's enough. Tabby, you too. We all need to... Oh
1: my God, shut up, all of you. Cam, you're being an idiot. Tabby is good at what she does and has exhausted every lead. There's nothing we can do right now. Nothing. If we could do anything at all, we would. But we can't. So we're stuck, and yeah, like Tabby said, some of us want to look into other cases to get to the bottom of all of this. Not just Chris, but every weird thing happening in this town. So if you want to camp out at the motel and wait for Randall Fry to get back from wherever the hell he is, then fine. You do that. No one's gonna stop you. Meanwhile, Tabby, Gray, and I are going to take the Econoline to the vineyard and record this script. I'm going to wait in the van until then. You act like you're the only one who wants to find out what happened to Chris. You're not.
3: Cam, where are you going? I'm going for a walk. Can you at least tell us where? Well, that was intense. Are you okay, Tabs?
2: I'm going to the van, too.
3: Today's going well.
2: On the outskirts of Half Moon exists a relatively small, out-of-the-way vineyard called Giovanni's Vineyard. It's a quaint enjoyable little spot, and one of the few honest-to-God tourist attractions in this sleepy town. Boasting around 25 acres of land, the vineyard is quite small compared to other wine-producing farms. This makes it the ideal spot in town for local functions and weddings. But Giovanni's has a dark past. Founded in 1859, The vineyard has been in the Romano family for generations. The current owner, in fact, was named after the vineyard's original founder, Giovanni Romano, his great-great-grandfather. The farm sold grapes to locals and produced a small quantity of wine, mostly enjoyed by citizens of Half Moon, as it never really made a foothold in the greater Massachusetts area. The early success of the winery was owed largely to the unusually ideal soil for growing grapes in the middle of western Massachusetts. This fortune, however, would be short-lived. The first Giovanni Romano met a mysterious and tragic end in 1899, when his body was found in his fields. Sources from the time claim that he was a relatively healthy man for his age. His death came as a surprise to all who knew him. But the most shocking detail about his passing was that he was found with bite marks and chunks of flesh missing all over his body. Sadly, Giovanni would not be the only one to die this way. Over the decades, almost a dozen more people would be found dead in a similar manner. The most recent such death occurred in 1985. Thomas Porter, a resident of Half Moon, met his fate there. According to the first of two articles written about his untimely end, Thomas had scheduled a tour of the farm in preparation for his upcoming wedding to Elaine Townsend. The manager, Luke Lombardi, who accompanied him on this tour, was quoted saying, We were walking down the road between the vines when, I don't know, I guess he wandered off. I turn around for one minute, and the next, he's nowhere to be seen. I called out for him, and he never answered. Lombardi had the staff search all 25 acres, to no avail. Luckily, my research team was able to sit down briefly with Mr. Lombardi, who is still employed at the vineyard, to ask about the disappearance. He stated, It was really sad what happened to Tommy. He was the sweetest guy you could ask for. To tell you the truth, I have no idea what could have happened. He was right behind me when he vanished. I didn't even hear him walk off into the vines, but I suppose he must have. It's a shame, a real shame. Then, well, we all know what happened next. A few days later, Thomas's body was found among the grapes, badly mangled and eaten. The article about the incident from the Chronicle reads, The body of Mr. Porter was found bearing bite marks from what appears to be a large animal. The only such creature that could have made these marks, according to investigators, is a black bear, which has led some to call this incident an unfortunate bear attack. However, some call this conclusion into question, seeing as no black bears have been identified in the area recently, and no one has reported seeing one in or around the vineyard surrounding the date of Mr. Porter's death. The Chronicle wasn't the only one skeptical of the conclusions of Mr. Porter's death. We have previously mentioned an online forum where an enigmatic user known only as Mrs. Beach posts largely disconnected musings on supernatural creatures. My team has discovered a post she made under a thread about bear-like attacks— Mrs. Beach writes, A few years back, we had a suspicious bear attack. The body was found in a vineyard, bite marks all over, body nearly ripped to shreds. The newspaper made it sound much milder than it was. The body was eviscerated, almost unrecognizable. They tried to call it a bear attack. I believe it was something more. I believe this was another attack from the Mother of Teeth, a beast that, as far as I can tell, feeds only rarely. She hunts in broad daylight, a true predator. She wears a mask to hide her face, except for the lower half, which is a mangled forest of razor-sharp teeth. I am well aware of the presence of bears in the New England area, but they do not hunt people like this. The newspaper also does not mention that there were no bear tracks found near the vineyard. They do not say that there was a clear sign of a struggle, that the victim had tried to escape. I was there in the aftermath. I saw the marks in the dirt. The poor man was pinned, and he clearly tried to get away. But this creature, the mother of teeth, ripped him limb from limb. I'm not sure how they even identified him from what was left. What I can't explain is how it took days for them to find the body and why the blood was still so fresh when they did find him days later. I suspect this wasn't a random attack. I think someone or something set the mother of teeth on this poor soul though I can't say what would have taken days to kill him. It could be due to the supernatural nature of this entity. There is still so much to learn about these creatures. As for how I know someone, or something, set the mother of teeth on this individual, all I have is speculation, but speculation that I feel near certain of. So what is the truth behind these suspicious attacks? Could they truly be bear attacks? Is there some reason that the reporters for the Chronicle could be covering up the gory details of the deaths? And who is this supposed mother of teeth? We may never know the answer, but what is known is that there haven't been any deaths in the vineyard in years, which may mean whatever has been attacking people is satiated, but the question remains, for how long? Gray, Ash, I hope you two don't mind, but I want to record a little right now.
3: That's fine with me.
2: Yeah, it's no problem. And if it's all right, I wanted to ask your opinions about something, About this latest case. What is it? It's about that Mrs. Beach post on the forum. Do you think... She said that she thinks someone was sending these monsters after people.
3: Big if there.
2: Okay, but just for a second, humor me. Let's assume these monsters are real. Do you think it's possible that there's someone or something out there sending them after people? It's
3: possible. I don't think so.
2: Gray, why don't you think so?
3: Well, following you, if these things are real, there's gotta be a lot of them, right? And if there's so many of them... I don't think it's likely that one person can send them after people and then try to cover it all up effectively.
1: You think there's a cover-up going on?
3: No, I'm just playing along here. But if this is true, you read what Mrs. Beach said yourself. The paper didn't report on a lot of it. It takes tons of people to put together a cover-up that big. So I don't think you could have just one person doing that. It would have to be a lot of people.
1: Yeah, like a cult.
3: Sure, a cult, a half moon cult.
1: Do you think it's possible? Gray,
2: do you think it's possible?
3: I suppose there's an unusual number of weird deaths here. They're all covered up at least reasonably effectively. I guess it could stand up to scrutiny.
1: I'm calling it. Half Moon has a cult. I wonder what they call themselves.
3: I don't know. What what a secret cult call themselves in Half Moon?
1: Probably something with Moon.
3: Let's not get ahead of ourselves.
1: Really, Gray? After everything you're telling me, this isn't a lead worth tracking down?
3: Okay, you got me. It's a lead.
1: Yes! Aha! Gray's a believer now.
3: No, shut up. I'm not a believer. I'm just less of a skeptic than I once was.
1: Whatever. Close enough for me. (laughs) Okay, then. It's settled.
2: We'll start looking into possible signs of a cult in this town tomorrow. Chronicles is a Bad Address Media production. This episode was directed by Jack Bacall and produced by Isabella Van Ingen. The script was written by Kit Haddad and edited by Morgan York. Sound design is by Matt Regan. Half Moon Chronicles original music by Kit Haddad. Featuring Isabella Van Ingen as Ash Moskowitz, Jack Bacall as Cameron Park, Kit Haddad as Grayson Price, and Morgan York as Tabby Winters. You can follow us on Twitter at Bad Address Media or become a patron at patreon.com slash badaddressmedia. Thank you for listening.